Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. I'm just going to invite Steve up now uh, to help us with a Q&A. So as I said, on your chairs, there's a little QR code, so you can use that. Um, or if anyone just wants to ask a question directly, just raise your hand. Um, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Okay. So, first question What practical steps would you recommend to recenter your life on heavenly treasure? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, growing up, I realized I think it really it took COVID to, to hit it into my heart that we, it's a spiritual discipline to rejoice in our future inheritance. So, when you think about any kind of, I mean, that song is a brilliant song we just sang because it's kind of unusual. We don't have many songs to talk about that day and just celebrating the day that's coming our way. And so I do think one of the things you can do to, uh, I forgot what the exact question was, um, but to help yourself focus on the eternal future is to focus on your eternal future. And it was something that John Calvin had said, you know, we must spend time meditating on the grace that's to come to us. And we live in such an instant culture, we struggle to do that. So I have, a, I have prayer cards in my own spiritual life, which I use to pray for family, friends, projects, situations. And one of them I have now is purely devoted to helping me pray and let my heart rejoice in my future glorious inheritance. And for example, I have a whole part of that that talks about then when the end of all war and the images of Isaiah with the wolf and the lamb on and I, my heart starts, to, when I think of Israel and Palestine, and I spend a few moments thinking, I just say, I can't wait. And then I really can't wait for my future inheritance. Or when I think of people I've lost in this life that know Jesus, I think, I can't wait to see them again. Or when I think of uh, the things that I've had that grieved me and my wounds and my hurts, which are very minor, but I think there'll be a full healing one day for me. And when, as I feel my body as a 41-year-old starting to deteriorate, I can't wait for my new body. You know? So start rejoicing now in your future inheritance by meditating specifically on aspects that are going to come to you one day. And Paul says that, doesn't he, in Colossians 3, set your minds and hearts on the things above where Christ is seated. So um, the other thing I do, or I, I guess in crisis moments, Paul puts it like this. Not even in crisis moments, actually. When you, so, that's one thing. When you succeed in this life, when you get a paycheck or a promotion or whatever it is, pray this prayer with Paul in Philippians, in, in Philippians 3. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Money, success, power, reputation, not bad things, but they must be seen as bad things when you compare them to the worth of knowing Christ. So when you succeed in this life, take a moment to go, this isn't going to define me as a person. And the danger is it often does, as well as our failures. So there's two little tips for you. Rejoice, actually use the meditative exercise of rejoicing in your future. And when you succeed, get out that. I don't know if you want to add anything else. Um, yeah, I think two things. Firstly, I think the first question I'd probably ask myself is, what stops me centering my life on that? Um, and actually, I was reading this morning with um, Andrew, and in, his, in a commentary that he had, it said, um, don't let compliments go to your head and criticisms go to your heart. That's right. And I think that's so true of me. Um, 
And I think that really reveals in me what stops me centering my life um, on heaven and the things before because I get bogged down in the earthly worries and those sorts of things. So I think just being able to notice and recognize in yourself what they are, so what stops you, and then just asking God and his graciousness to keep revealing those to you and to keep helping you um, go back to him. And then I also think learning scripture. I mean, maybe, I don't know, in Sunday school, we always learned scripture and I was like, oh, what's kind of the point in this? But now I've actually found that it was so helpful to know God's truth and to, to have it in my head. And um, so even that passage that I just read, don't store up your treasures in heaven where right. moth and rust destroy and thieves break in. Just reminding yourself of that when you feel the pressures, I think, of everyday life setting yeah. in can be a really it's, wonderful way. When you receive a compliment and when you receive a criticism, it's a war zone. That's not a neutral thing going on. A compliment can puff up your head, a criticism can go to your heart. So you have to do this. All that I need to, no, no, the compliment nor the criticism defines who I am. That's a war zone every time you get one of those two. Uh, war for your heart, you know? Uh, next one. How should I navigate the pursuits of a career alongside following Christ? Okay, there, there was a brilliant article written in COVID as everyone left the cities. And they all came to the cities beforehand because, you know, they wanted money and success and power. And the cities offered them that. And then COVID came. They're like, oh, I hate the city and fled to the country. And one pastor helpfully reflected and go, what was going on in the heart of Christians who came to the city for the same reasons that non-Christians and left for the same reason that non-Christians left for? Their motivation was no different. And he said, well, typically we make career decisions based on, according to the world's ideas of success, comfort and opportunity. If I can increase my comfort and gain an opportunity, I'll take that career path. And he said, well, maybe, but maybe not. Just, so, so don't just go, because there's, there's, a, there's a promotion, because there's a bigger paycheck, because there's a better opportunity, I should take it. Why? That's just because it's ahead of you. It doesn't mean you should take it. So comfort and opportunity is how the world makes decisions. He says the Christians should make decisions on covenant and calling. Covenant, how will this affect my church family and the mission of my church family? And calling... I am to fulfill the Great Commission. That's the greatest calling of my life to share the gospel to all nations. If this career move will negatively affect the covenant community I belong to and my calling to share the gospel with all nations, then I should really consider not taking it. And his final point was, you can't always say yes to every opportunity. He says, at some point, Jesus will say no. So if you've only gone through life going, yes, yes, I've always climbed the next ladder, he says, well, you're probably not listening to Jesus at some point. Because at some point, he's always going to say no to you, and you have to handle that will-on-will -will debate with Jesus. So just remember those two categories, covenant and opportunity. That's how the world makes decisions. We make it on covenant and calling. And uh, I don't know if you want to add anything back, but no. Um, yeah, well, I think definitely um, from just looking around, we're so many people in so many different areas, different work sectors, and it's, it is a good thing that God has given us good gifts to go and use um, and to celebrate and to praise him. Um, but something I find really helpful is the Lord's Prayer and saying that. And there's one line in it, give us today our daily bread. And I think sometimes, especially maybe in the career mindset, you can think five years, ten years down the line. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. It's good to look to the future. Um, but sometimes we just need to ask God for our daily bread and to trust that day by day um, he is renewing us and strengthening us. So um, I suppose then that leads on to it's a it's a day by day it's a constant thing that we're having to go back to Christ and constantly have to ask him to be gracious to us to have mercy on us and to ask him for 
um, our daily bread, yeah, day good. by day. For those of us who haven't much, uh, how can we stay sharp in seeing the dangers that remain? Yeah, it's interesting because it's the desire of the heart, not necessarily the amount of money in the bank. So you can have no money in your bank account and be going, when I have money, I'll be happy. Huh, really? When I have money, I'll feel secure. Really? Like when you just get lots of money, you'll suddenly go, I have no security issues. And so it's the desire of the heart that matters. But the thing is, when you don't have money, you're less blind to what money can do to you. When you do have money, you become blind. That's what the blind thing is all about. So I think uh, just be careful of always saying to yourself, if I have the next career moment, if I have the next paycheck, if I have the next, I'll be happy, I'll be satisfied, I'll be secure, I'll be valid, whatever it is. Now, money's not, I'm not saying we shouldn't think about money carefully and how to live in this world, but that would be one thing. Uh, don't believe the lie that you'll be happy and, and secure once you have money. Uh, isn't there something selfish about living now to become a spiritual billionaire later? Spiritual is a key word. What does money give you? Identity, reputation, opportunities, experiences, security. You have all that now in Christ. You have an identity. You have a reputation. You have a, a security. You have uh, opportunities and experiences now and in the world to come. So it's not so much like, oh, great, I'm just going to get all this money later. I'm going to, all that spiritual riches that Christ wants to give me, I'm now getting a foretaste of by the Spirit through the church. And he will be the great treasure when I get there. So my, it's a spiritual billionaire. It's not sort of saying, yeah, great, I'm going to be... It's, it's what money represents and does for us that is, that is key there. So uh, C.S. Lewis talks about intrinsic rewards versus extrinsic rewards. Isn't it selfish? So the in extrinsic reward says, you know what, I'm going to learn piano so I can make loads of money as a pianist. Okay, so what I'm doing is not is serving something external, money. Or I'm going to serve and love this woman so I can marry her because she's from a rich family, right? But he said, no, an intrinsic reward is I'm going to play the piano so I have the reward of being able to play the piano. The, the reward is part of what I'm doing. Or I'm going to love and serve this woman because my reward is that I can be married to her. Not, well, she's, you see? So rewards are always intrinsic, and therefore Jesus is ultimately our great reward, not something external to him. Also, just, I suppose, on that passage, it says the first will become last and the last will become first. Um, so, and even in Matthew 6, um, earlier on, it talks about how we're to do these things in secret. So it isn't for mm. a reward or to be seen or to, I suppose, when we think about the um, rich ruler, it was a lot of extrinsic, extrinsic things. Like, I've done all these good things, so I deserve to be here. Um, but actually, when you read what God says about following his commands, when you pray, like, close the doors and do it in secret. When you fast, also do that um, in secret. So actually, that requires a lot of selflessness um, because you might not be getting compliments or a quick reward. It's very much, um, I suppose, in, in heaven, that reward comes. Yeah. But obviously, as well, my. I mean, interestingly, the, just a little story, and then we better close that. The uh, Howard Thurman was Martin Luther King's uh, mentor, and a, I think he was a Harvard professor. And uh, you know, he was sort of mocked by his liberal Harvard academics to say, you know, you believe in these riches and treasures in heaven. You know, what, aren't we? You know, isn't that just mercenary? Aren't you beyond all that? You know, isn't it that just we're trying to live a good life now? You know, isn't it about social justice now? And Howard Thurman says. Uh, Wait a minute, what did those slaves who just lived a miserable life and then got killed, were they living for social justice now? No. Nah. 
What meant they could sing in their slave boats was they had eternal riches and they believed it. And that's where the great uh, spiritual heritage we get from all those African and American slaves because they believed in all their atrocities and suffering that were unjust that there was an eternal riches coming their way. And so at the power to handle the worst thing this world can throw at you is if you really understand that, what's coming your way. So, a helpful story. Thanks so much, Steve. Um, you want to pray to finish, Rebecca? Yeah, I'll pray. Um, yeah, Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together today. Um, I just pray specifically for those questions that were asked about how we can recenter our hearts um, towards you, Lord. And I pray that... Um, Yes, Christ City Church will be a place where people could come, Lord, and, and deepen their relationship with you, Lord. That our city groups would be a place where we could come and ask questions and, and build friendships where we can speak about you and wrestle with these things, Lord, um, and be honest and vulnerable and raw. So, Father, we just thank you that you are such a good God, that you exalt the, the weak and the lowly, that you made yourself lowly so that we could one day inherit these great riches. Amen.